data, privacy. Privacy rights versus the public's right to know. Machines are ruled by algorithm, which are made by humans who are ruled by emotion. Explores how the tension between First Amendment and privacy rights has developed within digital media in the modern age. Failing to safeguard young people and their privacy. It was a new year in 2020 and Zachary McCoy was living an ordinary life in Gainesville, Florida, working at a local restaurant and pursuing his passion for biking. But his life took an unexpected turn when an email from Google's legal team informed him that local police had requested his information in relation to his Google account. Confused and fearful, McCoy couldn't think of any reason for the police to be interested in his data. After receiving the email, McCoy searched for the case number on the police department's website and found a report on the burglary of an elderly woman's home that had occurred nearby just 10 months earlier. McCoy was panic-stricken. He realised that although he was innocent, he had ridden his bike past the victim's house on the day of the burglary. He was now a suspect. He realised that although he had nothing to do with the crime, he had ridden his bike past the victim's house on the day of the burglary. He had unwittingly placed himself in the crosshairs of the investigation. The police had used a geofence warrant. This is a powerful surveillance tool that casts a virtual dragnet over the crime scene, sweeping up Google location data from everyone nearby. Such warrants had been on the rise with the number of requests from state and federal law enforcement increasing rapidly in recent years. While some may argue that these warrants violate constitutional protections from unreasonable searches, law enforcement authorities maintain that they are a valuable tool for solving crimes. McCoy's attorney, Caleb Kenyon, discovered that his client had been ensnared by a geofence warrant. The police had become interested in McCoy's device after sifting through an anonymized batch of data collected near the crime scene. They returned to Google's request for more information, triggering the notice that McCoy received. Gainesville police declined to comment on the case. Despite the powerful surveillance capabilities of geofence warrants, law enforcement authorities insist that they do not obtain identifying information about Google users until they find a device that arouses suspicion. The information alone is not enough to charge someone with a crime, so they say. As McCoy analysed his phone, he found that he had unknowingly given Google access to a wealth of information about his movements, a fact that he found deeply unsettling. Working together, McCoy and his attorney set out to prove his innocence and prevent the police from obtaining any more information about him. His attorney argued in court that the geofence warrant was unconstitutional as it allowed police to conduct sweeping searches of phone data from countless individuals in order to find a single suspect. Ultimately, the same location data that had implicated McCoy in the burglary helped to exonerate him. Police withdrew the warrant, stating that it was no longer necessary, and his attorney dropped the legal challenge. However, the larger privacy issues raised by this case remain unanswered. Although McCoy was fortunate to have the resources to hire a lawyer and fight the warrant, His story serves as a cautionary tale about the potential dangers of over-reliance on technology and the erosion of privacy in the digital age. As these warrants continue to gain traction in law enforcement, the balance between solving crimes and protecting the innocent becomes increasingly delicate. 
In this brave new world, the invisible net of surveillance can ensnare anyone, even those who have done nothing wrong. As McCoy tried to move on from this experience, he couldn't help but reflect on the implications of his ordeal. He had always thought his online presence was anonymous, using pseudonyms on social media and email accounts. But this incident made him question the extent to which his digital footprint and identity could be traced back to him. The geofence warrant had exposed a troubling reality. Modern technology had made it increasingly difficult to maintain any privacy. McCoy then thought about a radio debate he had once listened to about the Department of Justice's battle with Apple over access to the phone data of a Saudi national responsible for a shooting in Florida. Some callers argued that innocent people had nothing to fear from law enforcement accessing their data, but McCoy's experience had actually showed him that even innocent people could be caught up in a vast net of digital surveillance. The incident also raised questions about the effectiveness and ethicality of geofence warrants. While they undoubtedly have the potential to help solve crimes, the widespread collection of data from countless individuals puts many innocent people at risk of being falsely accused. In McCoy's case, the same data that had implicated him had also exonerated him, but not before causing significant distress and financial burden. As the use of geofence warrants and other surveillance tools continues to grow, the need for robust legal safeguards and public debate becomes increasingly urgent. In the meantime, individuals like you and I are left to grapple with the consequences of living in a world where the line between privacy and surveillance is becoming increasingly blurred. In the end, Zachary McCoy's story serves as a powerful reminder that as technology continues to advance, so too does the need for vigilance in protecting our individual privacy and civil liberties. As the invisible net of surveillance expands, it is more important than ever for society to strike a delicate balance between the power of technology and the fundamental rights of individuals it seeks to protect. Welcome back. This is episode three of The Lockdown. Now that story is a true story and it does serve as one reminder why I do the things I do with privacy and security. Now the potential risk of that happening to me is incredibly low. But you never know what's going to happen later today or tomorrow. Perhaps your next door neighbour gets caught up in some uh, crime or conspiracy and the, the media and the news reporters are outside trying to get information. Perhaps nothing will happen at all and you live in a very boring neighbourhood. Well, good for you. But with many things in life, we do have to be prepared. We wear seatbelts in our car. Hopefully you do wear a seatbelt in case we end up in a car accident. The point I'm trying to make here is there's certain steps I've already covered in previous episodes which are really quite basic to do and helps protect us against exactly this type of thing. Now, I'm not suggesting that you put your phone into aeroplane mode and stick it in a Faraday bag every time you leave the house. That's probably a bit unrealistic. Again, this is practical privacy, not for the extremist. Now, interestingly enough, I've been using Graphene OS on a Pixel 7 Pro for around six or seven months now, and it's had some unintended consequences. First of all, I've been very conscious over what I'm installing on the device. Previously, I used an iPhone, which... I still believe is a, a very valid option for privacy. I think it's come a long way to where it used to be. You know, you have to give apps permission to track your location, for example, and there's really nothing wrong with the iPhone. 
But I wanted to get away from the Apple ecosystem. But how do you do that, especially in my case, when your wife and kids use Apple? Now, I actually heard a comment on um, a YouTube channel and this guy said, I don't understand parents that give their kids iPhones. It's just ridiculous. They're so expensive. Well, I had the same thought process once too. Unfortunately, especially here in the US, when your child goes off to school, you do worry. And my wife does. It's very concerning, especially what you hear on the news each week. And the reason I gave my kids iPhones, I think they were actually around nine or 10 years old. First off, it was very limited in what they could do. But second, it was a tracking device. So I could make sure they were on their way home. They had got on the right bus. They were taking the correct route. And I knew where they were during the day. And as you can probably see, this conflicts with my enthusiasm for privacy. And just for the record, there really is nothing wrong with the security of Apple devices. And there's no such thing as 100% security. But I like the fact that when you try and access an Apple account now on a different device, it will send a code to one of your existing devices and so on. That's not too much of an issue. I just wanted to use Graphene OS and be de-shackled from the Apple ecosystem. But how do you do that when the rest of your family is using iMessage, sharing photos with Apple Photos and uses Find Friend to make sure you're safe? Well, my solution, and it may not suit everybody, um, is that I purchased an iPad. It has no SIM card in there. It's on Wi-Fi only. The Wi-Fi is connected to VPN. This is probably content for another episode, but... The way I have my home network set up is I have multiple Wi-Fi SSIDs. The one I use is permanently connected to Proton VPN. Sometimes I use Mulvad, um, but either way, it's always on. And if the VPN goes down, there's no internet. And when the iPad leaves the house, I have to tether to my mobile device if I need internet. But that's very rare. Um, I don't need internet connectivity on my iPad when I leave the house. Now, I disable any location services on the iPad itself, but one thing I can do, if my family members share photos through Apple Photos, I can access them. I don't like Apple Photos. I don't want to do that. But again, this is about practical privacy. I wanted to do this in a way where I didn't have to carry an iPhone around with me every day, but at the same time, not be completely disconnected from my friends and family. Luckily enough, They all use Signal to message me. So iMessage, I don't even use. It's not an issue at all. I've managed to convince my kids, my wife, my friends, my family to install Signal on their devices. And and that's how they contact me. And it's actually very interesting that some uh, friends and family have told me that they've discovered a lot of their contacts also use Signal. So it's not as weird as people first think. So what is Graphene OS? Something I should have stated from the beginning, really. Well, Graphene OS is an alternative operating system for your smartphone designed with a focus on privacy and security. Just think of it as a different flavor of software that runs on your phone, similar to how your computer runs Windows, Mac OS or Linux. Graphene OS only runs, it's designed to only run on Google Pixel smartphones. But instead of using Google's Android operating system, which comes with many built-in Google services, Graphene OS is built on the open source version of Android called AOSP, or Android Open Source Project. By not including any Google services, Graphene OS avoids the data collection and tracking associated with those services, giving users much more control over their privacy. 
Now, people such as myself use Graphene OS because they want to protect the personal information from being collected and used by big companies like Google. It's basically like choosing to live in a quiet log cabin in the middle of nowhere where no one can see what I'm doing. Now, I'm going off on my log cabin dream again, but while this may require a bit more effort to set up, and it may not have all the conveniences of, say, an iPhone, people that value their privacy and security really find it a worthwhile trade-off. Now, Graphene OS doesn't stop your cell phone provider from tracking you. That's not possible. But as I explained in a previous episode, I use uh, Mint Mobile. It's a prepaid uh, plan. So I just pay month by month. There's no contracts. I use a privacy.com card in an alias name. So it doesn't tie back to me. Now, that's more of a protection around things like SIM swap attacks. If law enforcement want to find out who purchased that cell phone uh, SIM card, they're going to bid a contact privacy.com in this case with a subpoena and find out it's me. That's not my threat model. I'm not hiding anything illegal here. My threat model is cyber criminals using social engineering uh, trying to access my account. That's the main issue I'm going to have. And also data breaches, which I've talked a lot about before. Now, here is the thing. I like talking about things and here it is. To understand the core essence of what Graphene OS is about, you need to understand Google Play services, which would typically be installed on any other Android phone. Google Play services is a collection of tools and features provided by Google that basically makes the Android phone work smoothly with Google apps and services. Think of it as a, an assistant that connects your phone to the Google network, enabling features like push notifications when you get a message, location services, automatic updates of your apps and so on. However, this is probably making the hairs on the back of your neck stand up on end because this means Google can collect data about your location, your activities and your, your usage. By default, Graphene OS does not include Google Play services. Now, without it, you're going to have issues with push notifications, hence, you know, all the stuff I just talked about. But if you go to apps, there's uh, an option to install sandboxed Google Play services. So if you were to pick up a freshly installed Graphene OS device, you go to apps and there's a list of things like auditor, camera, PDF viewer, that kind of thing. And what's uninstalled uh, by default is Google Play services. So you install that. And what this does, it installs the dependencies for Google Play services. You don't need to log on to Google. It's sandboxed like any other application. So you have those protections in place. But now you can take advantage of things like push notifications. So if someone sends me a message on Signal or a phone call on my sudo, I get the notification. We're all good. So it's quite funny. I... Uh, took the case off my phone this morning and showed my daughter the fact that my phone had a Google logo on the back. She said, that's a Google phone? I said, yes, but <laughs> there's nothing Google on it. Um, technically, there is. Android is not, as I said, an open source operating system that Google provide. But Graphene OS is a, an OS with no Google services installed whatsoever. Now, a word of warning here, and it's actually a mistake I initially made when I first started playing with Graphene OS. Let's say you install YouTube and you want to log in to a Google account to access whatever YouTube videos you've, you've liked or, or added to playlists or what have you. As soon as you log into a Google app with Google Play services, even though it's sandboxed, other Google apps are going to be able to access that uh, Google Play services um, feature and they will know you're logged in. Now you're starting to defeat the object of having a Graphene OS device in the first place. 
So on a freshly installed uh, Graphene OS Pixel 7 Pro, which I use now, I have not logged into Google. I don't use YouTube. I don't use any Google apps. I have no need to. Um, Google Play Services is installed, but not logged in. That means the Google Play Store, where Android users would typically get their applications, is not available. You have to log in. However, all is not lost. I'm looking at my phone now, and the there's two uh, app stores that I use. The first one is F-Droid, and the second one is Aurora Store. Now, the Aurora Store, when you first go in, it will actually generate a brand new session, and you can choose to have an anonymous session, and it accesses the Google Play Store. You can install, if you really wanted to, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook. I know that's going to make many of you cringe. Don't worry, I have not done that, but they're all there. It's the same thing as the Google Play Store, but no account is required, which is really good. The difference here, though, is because you're not logged into a Google account, if any of the applications require a payment, if it's a paid app or need an in-app purchase, then you can't do it. As a result, I don't have any apps on here that are unnecessary. I don't have social media. I have my email. I have a few other things, privacy.com app. I have a, an app for my coffee machine. I have this ability to set schedules to turn it on in the morning. So I have hot coffee when I wake up. I digress. What I like about the Aurora store is if I just click on an app now and scroll down past the reviews, there's a privacy section and it will have reports of what trackers they use. Maybe they use Facebook trackers or analytics. There's all sorts of analytics that apps typically have. Now, I like the fact that I can look through some of these apps. There's a weather app I've got. Um, let me bring up the name. Yeah, the weather app I use is called WeWow. That's W-E-A-Wow. Um, and there's no trackers at all on that. It's a, a really great app. Um, you don't have to give it your location. Um, I've actually typed a location manually in this case, and it works really well. I've got a seven-day forecast. There's weather alerts and all the things you would expect from a weather app. And it's not a paid app. There's no in-app purchases. There's no tracking. But the best thing, because it's on Graphene OS, is it's sandboxed from all other apps. Now, the other thing I like about Graphene OS is when an application requires access to a folder on the device, let's say your photos, um, you're going to have a, a gallery app, for example, it needs access to your photos. You have the ability to set storage scopes. So when I go into the app permissions, in this case, I'm going to go into the camera app and click on storage scopes. The only folder it has access to is a camera folder, nothing else outside of that. And I think that is really powerful. So if you have any unnecessary applications, hopefully you don't, but anything with some malicious intent, trying to grab your contacts or other folders. But with storage scopes, it doesn't have permission by default. You have to grant it permission. And with storage scopes, you can say which folders, if any, it has access to. Now, just going back for a moment, that the fact that the Google Play Store is not logged in, and I'm using Aurora, so it's an anonymous session, to download my apps, I have no ability to pay or subscribe to applications. Now, if the application is like my sudo, you have to use either the Apple Store, if you're on an iPhone, or in this case, the Google Play Store, to purchase a subscription to my sudo. This is the one downside at the moment of Graphene OS. So again, going back to my iPad, the reason I have an iPad at home is that has my sudo installed and I pay for my subscription through Apple. That's also installed on my Graphene OS device and I obviously get access to that subscription that way. I don't need to log into Google to do it. There are other apps that I really enjoy. Uh, waking Up, uh, the meditation app, is, is something I'm a huge fan of. The great thing with that is I can log into the website and unlock my subscription that way. 
again, I don't need the Google Play Store to be logged in to pay for my subscription in that way. So am I completely de-shackled from Apple? No, I'm not. I need that iPad. I need it to track with fine friends where my kids are, especially when they're coming home from school. It's um, a great way to see shared photo albums that my family are putting together that I'd like to see. Now, as much as we're all privacy enthusiasts, we still have a life to get on with. Now, the fact my family has iPhones and I'd like to be able to track their devices and approve screen time requests and all of that good stuff, it means I can't uh, be completely decoupled from the Apple ecosystem. Perhaps for you, you can do that. So great, go for it. Since I've owned my Graphene OS device for some time now, the unintended consequences of this are actually quite satisfying. I've been very careful of what apps I install. So as a result, as I mentioned before, I have email, I have a few other note-taking apps and and weather and, and a meditation app. That's pretty much it. As a result, I'm not checking social media every five minutes. I'm not getting distracted by constant notifications on the device. Other than Signal, obviously, and phone calls through my sudo, that's the only notifications I get. Even email, I just go in and intentionally check. I don't like being notified every time I get an email. And then if I need to go onto social media for whatever reason, I do that from my desktop PC. Now, something else you can do with Graphene OS is have multiple user profiles. So the main profile is called the owner profile. So that's the one that goes in by default. I've got my main applications in there. That's my sort of day-to-day user profile. What you can also do, though, is set up an additional profile. So I've got one called Secure. It's essentially a completely fresh uh, list of apps. There's nothing on there. It's like a default Graphene OS device again. I do need access to my banking mobile app. There are times when I need to go in there and I have to do that. I can't wait to go back to my PC in the evening. So what I have is a separate secure user profile and the only application in there is my bank. Now, if in the unlikely event someone was to catch up with me and steal my phone while it was unlocked, they don't have access to my bank accounts. And any other applications installed to my owner profile, the default one, typically require a PIN, certainly the important ones anyway. So Authy, which I use for two-factor authentication, needs a PIN every time you go into the app. So even if they stole my phone while it was unlocked, they can't get into Authy. Same for ProtonMail. So this does give me a a confident level of security. Now, I was also talking to my kids this morning about uh, Barcelona. I used to go to Barcelona every year for a conference. Uh, Mobile World Congress, for example, is in Barcelona. And it is notorious for pickpockets. In fact, I don't know anyone other than myself that hasn't had their phone stolen or their bag stolen off their back, literally, um, when traveling to Barcelona. Now, it's a great city, but like many other great cities, there is also crime. Now, when I do travel to these places, um, I tend to walk very fast. I do not have my phone out. It's normally in an inside pocket of a jacket, so it's not even visible where it is. And I do walk around incredibly fast. I'm surprised I'm not a lot fitter than I am because uh, I do tend to um, move around with a a purpose, put it that way. And one final thing to note, uh, again, when traveling, I like to take photos. And I do really like the camera in the um, Google Pixel 7 Pro. It's it's an excellent camera. I don't think it's quite as good as the iPhone 14 Pro Max, whatever it's called, but it's not far off. And uh, honestly, if you enjoy taking pictures, then 
you can't really go wrong with the Pixel 7 Pro. And I often see the question asked is, with Graphene OS, do I get the same quality and same features with the camera as I would with, say, the stock Google Android OS on there? You do have the ability to install the Google camera. Now, remember, this is sandboxed. You don't have to enable location or anything else. It doesn't know who you are because you're not logged into Google Play services. So you can do that. But, but I'll be honest, the default camera app is very, very good. And some of the things you won't be able to do is, uh, I think you've seen these magic arrays things. Maybe you've got someone that's photobombed you in the background and you can just click on them and erase them. I don't believe you can do that. I've certainly not figured that out if you can. I think for that, you will need uh, a Google device and that accesses cloud features. I'll be honest, I don't want that. Um, I really couldn't care less about those type of things. The camera, though, is very good and it does unlock the full capability of the hardware itself. So I think I'm going to leave it there for this week. I'm going to be traveling. There's a security conference in Washington, D.C., which I'm very excited about. And uh, I might see you there. If not, talk to you next time.